0: You have to be tough when you're in the Marines. You've just got to have that resilience and go through. No matter what situation comes in front of you, keep ploughing through, ploughing through. You are serving your purpose as a frontline soldier and fantastic, you're doing the job. Where the problem arises is when you stop doing that job. So when you leave, whether that's whether you've been forced to leave, whether you've left out of choice, whether your time's done, it doesn't matter. Once you stop, that's when all those things that you've maybe just ploughed through because you have to, because that's your job. That's when you've got to start dealing with them.
1: Welcome to the Healthy Beast, Sam Laird. Now, I pronounced that right. It's L-A. I R D. With my accent, I'll never get it quite you right. You sounded it but... right there. You sounded good. So you were a, you were Royal Marines Commando. I want to talk about what you're doing now. So mentoring and coaching since you've left the Royal Marines. But we got to know each other through this charity that we're both involved with reorg and you were telling me we spoke before about how reorg is a guy called sam sheriff started it and it's a charity that helps not just former servicemen but principally former servicemen and it uses martial arts to kind of help people with the difficulties everyone has readjusting to civilian life but is it, it was an important thing in your life yeah it was
0: massively so yeah when i left the military i struggled to transition like i think most people do I think at first, when you leave the military, you kind of leave on a, a high in excitement because it's a new adventure, new challenges. But I think you very quickly realise that it's a very different world in, in Civvy Street than it is in the military world, especially for me. I joined us from the age of like, signed up 16, joined 17, and I left at 30. So I'd never lived an adult life in Civilian Street. And then when I left, I actually moved to Chorley, where I'm at now, and I didn't really know anyone. So I ended up living in a one bedroom flat on my own with no one around me like, whoa, what do I do here? Because obviously I moved here for my my daughter to be a more full-time dad. So I got back into Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which obviously is what is all about. You know, that just offers instantly uh, that community, the physical aspect of it. The fact that you have to, you know, it really opens up new pathways in your brain because you're constantly having to problem solve all the time. You know, every time you go in there, you, you can roll with the same person every day. You're still having to problem solve different things all the time on how to how to submit them in a different way or how to get out of a submission. So your brain's constantly being used in a different way. So, you know, people going about meditation thinking you've got to sit in silence for 20 minutes but you know many people treat what riyadh do on the mats as their meditation you know that you can't think about as i've said before you can't think about problems in life when you're and uh, you've got some bloke trying to <laughs> strangle your unconscious other people
1: sorry to i think other people probably find that quite hard don't they? if you've not done martial arts and you're thinking well meditation's all about staying still and and you know kind of breathe in and out and not do very much but this idea that actually fighting and having someone trying to choke you unconscious or break your arms would be meditation, I think would be weird for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, it must be quite hard to understand, but it's just, I guess, uh, it's an escapism as well, isn't it? I mean, you've got to be careful if you have got issues that you don't just escape them and run away, but it definitely has its purpose in a, in a day-to-day basis. You know, everybody's got their go-tos, so what's good for their own mental health and or how they deal with things. And, you know, some people come home and have a glass of wine, you know, other people go to the gym. So, you know, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, what Ryog talks about, it's just a healthy corporate mechanism.
1: And for you, what was it particularly that you found hard? I mean, was it the lack of camaraderie or was it not knowing kind of what to do next? Is, or was it just...
0: Yeah, for me, identity. You know, I didn't realise at the time, but the Marines had give me identity, it gave me purpose. And when I left that, essentially it was finding out who I am again. And interestingly, what I found is the more I looked, well, I mean, we'll talk about it maybe f- further on, but, you know, I came to my faith, but I kind of almost went full circle in who I was because I had to look right back at who I am as a person. And that led me back to, you know, I started martial arts at 11 doing judo. And I thought, do you know what? I must really love that because I really wanted to do it as a child. I was hungry to do it as a child. And then obviously that led on to then doing MMA and Brazilian jiu-jitsu and some boxing. I just thought, well, those things are good for me. Let's Let's go back to that. So that's how I got back into the BJJ after having a couple of years out. Although I did have a couple of years out because
1: of injuries. But so you start, but you started martial arts as a kid, and then you're in the you're in the Royal Marines. This is the one that non-military people maybe find hard is that you to 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 understand. So you left when you were thirty, you said, and yeah. you've been in since you were a kid, 16, yeah. 17. I think a lot of us you look back to when you're that age, and most of us weren't joining the military and going off doing dangerous things around the world but you know you're a, you're a little kid at that age compared to what you are at 30 so yeah, you've basically done a lot of your growing up
0: yeah I mean from the start of, you know so just maybe going back to why I joined the Marines there's a guy called Manny John Henry Manuel he did judo when I had did judo as a kid, and me and my best mate, Mega, looked up to him. He had a black belt, and he used to run in late every Friday for to a session. Um, and <laughs> as he was travelling down from four five commando in Scotland all the way down to Durham. And uh, he kind of inspired us to to sign up and join up. So I chased him for his black belt. Got my black belt the same year. Got my green beret. So when I signed up for the Marines, there were 60 in my troop, and only eleven passed. So, and I was one of the eleven, and I was I was young. And I could see the the difficulties of joining Young, I'd say, is you take everything to heart. So everything to me was real. Where you've seen some of the older guys, they weren't so bothered by some stuff. But for me, like, everything was just... It was kind of the end of the world if you didn't pass something or yeah so you talk,
1: are you talking about when you say everything's real you talk about good stuff as well as bad stuff are you talking about the experience is saying then they're, they're kind of numb to things or is he just talking about the bad things it's
0: in training mate there's no good stuff in training
1: <laughs> <They're> not, <laughs> not finishing anything just 30 weeks of punishment
0: yeah just so you know obviously the training team they play mind games with you all the time everything's a game it's to test your character it's to build resilience and but you know as the older you get you realize oh yeah this is a game this isn't but as a 17 year old kid i didn't know it was a game or not but you have to turn into a man extremely quickly i mean the way i looked at it is you know when i turned 18 i was straight out on operations in northern ireland and my friends were going off to uni and i think they were all still in uni when i was when I'd just done my first tour of Afghanistan, so two different, completely different paths, really, isn't it? You know, so you have to, you have to grow up quick, extremely quick. I would write my will at 18 years old, you know, and there's people probably my age now still haven't thought about writing a will, so um, you, you have yeah. to grow up and avoid it, from that very quickly.
1: It is, it's very hard because you know you were off going your first tour of Afghanistan. I was off Freshers Week. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like it's a very, it's a very different kind of experience. Yeah. And that, that, and you said about them pushing you and testing you. Now, most of us are probably aware from clips we've seen on TV of the sorts of things you have to go through. But you're going through this horrendously tough experience, which I'm sure you'll say is, is necessary. And it's part of making the Royal Marines the kind of fighting force it's renowned for. But I guess there's another side too, because you're taking these young kids, you're putting them through all this stuff, you're making them very tough. But then, are you play, are you paying the price later on, or is it not because of the training? Is it more the the things you unfortunately have to see when you're you know you're off on your tours? I think it's a mix,
0: mate, of so many elements. Um, you have to look at probably why someone's joined the military. I think you'll find that a lot of people have probably run away from something, or they were causing trouble. Well, there is some people that genuinely just always want to join the military, but that that's probably the first reason why some people might have issues later in life is because actually looking back, they had issues as an adolescent that is going to come out when you deal with trauma and stuff like that. I know I was one of those people. Um, and then, yeah, trauma in the military is going to have an effect on you, but the training... Look, they're going to make you what they want you to be. They need need people that can go out there, get the job done. If something happens, they can keep going. Um, So, yes, you are going to get moulded to a degree, probably more so if you join at a younger age. Obviously, the older you join, you probably know a little bit more about who you are and things like that, where the younger you join, you'll you'll be whoever they need you to be. And that's essentially probably what I was. And maybe you don't realise at the time. So... Yeah, with, with people having issues and stuff, as you say, like further down the line, I think that's really on an individual basis and there's different reasons for that.
1: So did you,
0: did you felt that you carried some stuff in with you, did you? Yeah, so for me, I'd, I'd struggled with uh, something that happened around 16 and I didn't deal with it further down the line when I'd been in traumatic incidents in Afghanistan and stuff. Obviously, trauma's trauma. i would not learned how to deal with it at 16, so I ain't going to know how to deal with it in my 20s. And then that hits you then further down the line um, and I had to to deal with that stuff, which I have dealt with, which is great. But, you know, one of the things, yeah, I'll be open and honest, uh, when I left the military, you know, I did fall into depression. I was on antidepressants for a couple of years. I did did struggle, thankfully, through things like Reorg. You know, rock to recovery helped me a lot as well horses for forces as well actually i did some therapy with horses and all those things and all those things actually at the time not not so much real but the therapies and stuff they didn't maybe help me at the time but it was when i was ready to change a couple years later
1: that's when it all came back and and helped me because you you said you didn't know i think how you put it you didn't know how to deal with trauma back then do you think do you think there are good ways to deal with trauma do you think everyone It's gonna suffer from it to an extent, would you think? Because you know the way the way I took it, you're almost thinking, well, if I did it now, it wouldn't be so bad. But
0: there must be a degree
1: to which some of these things are going to be traumatic for anyone, I'd have thought. No matter how you
0: exactly, they're gonna be traumatic for anyone, but I guess it's how you deal with it. I didn't my way of dealing with trauma is to just not talk about it, bury it inside, crack on, act like everything's okay. So that's all it was for me. And then it was probably eight years after. The way i was when it started to come out so um which is about normal from from what i can
1: see and what i can hear eight years later so, you, so people kind of bury it don't think about it don't talk about it pretend it hasn't happened pretend you're fine yeah and then years later you're saying eight years something like that it comes out well that that's for me that was my
0: personal experience but you know as i say trauma is different for everyone um and people just deal with it in different ways Definitely the culture I was in at the time, no one talked about things like that. So I think times are changing. Obviously, people are more vocal about their mental health. I'm quite... I'd say I'm a mental health advocate, but I don't uh, jump on and and sing about maybe PTSD and things like that. But I know it's real. I'm open to people talking about it and things like that. But I think people... My fear of it now... I think it's fantastic people are talking about it, but my fear is almost people can start living in victim mentality if they're not careful. And I was there at one stage as well. I got guilty of that, you know, and that's where, you know, the whole world's against you and poor me and things like that. And it's really hard to move out of that victim mentality. So you have to really realize that you're in there first and it's so hard to, to admit that you're in victim mentality. And there's a lot of people like that now, uh, suffering and victim mentality and if they could just realize to get out of that mentality they could deal with their trauma a lot better
1: but there's a there's a presumably quite a fine line isn't there because when you say some, would you, someone's got this victim mentality i mean you want to i guess there's a fine line between you want to acknowledge that there's something to be dealt with but you don't want to let it define you is that what you mean let you help, let it hold you back
0: exactly so that that becomes you know say someone gets diagnosed with PTSD or depression that then becomes their identity Hmm. well that's who I am now Now I'm a depressed person and they live in that and they don't have to they don't have to live in that and it's realizing that and that that's the real hard thing to break out from and I'm not saying that's for everyone you know some people have actually some you know I, I do believe in the chemical imbalances in your head and things like that. you know some people are stuck in in deep depression and stuff but um yeah a lot of it is just to they've themselves that identity now once someone's told them that's what they've got right well that's what i've got um i've got ptsd so i'll I'll live my life like that do you know what i mean
1: yeah i suppose it's whether you i suppose it's whether you take the diagnosis and you pause and write so that's me then that's what that's what i've got and that's what i do because however you deal with it whether it's therapies medications, anything like that you need to do things don't you everyone needs to do things you know you need to get on and Doesn't have to be martial arts or whatever, for, but you know, you've got to go and do something. Yeah, definitely. So it's looking at, you know, it's about
0: dealing with those root issues and you've got to look at behaviors there. And, you know, so f- for me, I was drinking. That obviously doesn't help if you're suffering from depression or PTSD and things like that. Alcohol is not going to help you, it's a natural depressant. So you need to look at that behavior and go, well, is that good for me? Do I enjoy it? Does it help other people? No, well, let's get rid of that first. And then one of the biggest impactful questions I ever got asked was uh, in a therapy session I had once off Malcolm in Rock to Recovery. And he said to me, the first thing he said, he goes, you're going to think it's a strange question, but think about it before you answer it. And he said, do you want to change? And at the time I were, I was quite depressed. Um, and I thought, what a stupid question. Of course I want to change. That's why I'm sat in front of you right now. Like, I want to change. But you know what? When I looked back down the line, right at that time, I didn't want to change. I was happy in my little depressed bubble because you're safe in it. So, you know, keep the world out. I'm happy in this depressed bubble. So when I look back and I was like, do you know what? I didn't want to change back then. And I thought I did. And then when I realized, no, I do want to change. That's when my life really did change and uh, started making all the all the positive changes and dealing with stuff and moving forward and doing the right things. So it sounds stupid, but
1: No, it doesn't, because the reason I scribbled those two things you said down is they're two, incre- they, they, they're two questions that sound, as you said, so obvious as to be stupid. Why would you ask a person this? But is that good for me, and do you want to change? See, now, this is that good for me. I I, I started asking myself this question, and it, and it sounds stupid like there's a or, or a different one is why? why am I doing this you know I think if, if it's like if it's the kind of possibly unhealthy possibly lazy choice that you're taking instead of doing some work or something healthy you, yeah. you, are, you have to ask yourself an honest question and it amazes me how how we don't how we can avoid doing that we avoid asking ourselves these kind of so simple they sound dumb but actually they're fundamental so is that good for me and the second one is do you want to change and you say you get angry and i and i completely understand you would be of course i fucking want to change why do you think i'm sat here talking to you i've got better things to do but yeah do you want to change i.e are you actually prepared to do something about it not do you just kind of yeah I, want to, I think i want to change but are you actually going to do something
0: Yeah. And do you know what? Change, it's not easy. Part of change is it will bring anxiety. It will bring a bit of fear because everybody doesn't like change. But it's interesting what you're saying about you said, why, you know, why do I want to change that? And that's the next step. So for me, I think the first thing you do is you look at those behaviours. So for me, like I said, for example, alcohol and you can stop those behaviours. But if you don't deal with why you had those behaviours in the first place, those behaviours are going to come back. Believe me. And it's happened to me, it'll happen to everybody. So you have to really deal with the behaviours. So yeah, okay, so they're my behaviours, they're effective behaviours, they're ineffective behaviours. then go, right, well, why Why am I like that? What? What's my core belief system of why I'm behaving like that? And then that starts going down then, looking within and going, oh well, maybe I do that because of this. Have I dealt with that? No, maybe not. Right, well, I need to deal with that then. I need to maybe take that route out of my life. You know, maybe you're involved in a a negative community or you know the environment you're living in is not great well maybe you need to take yourself out of that environment maybe you need to cut your way cut yourself away from those friends and that's gonna you know help them breed some healthy nutrition into your life
1: healthy behaviors and essentially bear some healthy fruit you know so So when when you found that question stupid do you want to change how long did it take you to actually understand the question, you know, uh, you know, for the question to mean something for you and you to a couple of years, mate, really,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Honestly, wow. You no, know, I, th- I thought I understood it at the time, but when you're in that bubble, it's just so hard to escape out of. So, you know, at the time, I believed I wanted to change, but don't realise. It's hard to explain. You yeah, probably when I quit drinking, so a couple of years ago, mate,
1: <laughs> a couple of years ago. So you mentioned alcohol. I presume. Is it kind of, of a big social thing in the military for you? Yeah. Are you kind of people medicating themselves on tools and things or is it not?
0: Definitely, mate. So I know times are changing now in the military, but when I was in, it was forced upon you. So now bear in mind, I Forced journey- upon you, sorry. So, oh, definitely. Yeah. Really? So we had to do a troop do on a Wednesday night. And we had to do a company do on a Thursday night and, and it's who can drink the more and, uh, and for me, alcohol became, it was a big issue in the Marines, actually. I didn't realise I probably had an issue with alcohol until years later after i have left and looked back. And I thought, why did no one ever pull me up on that? That's not right drinking. You know, it wouldn't be unknown for me to drink all through the night and then do a 10-mile run with the lads in the morning and, yeah. But it, it was the and culture we were living
1: in at the time. And that'll be accept that no one would be judging you for that. That'd be kind of acceptable thing to do, would it? Back then it was acceptable. Really? Now, absolutely not, from what
0: I'm getting told, which is good to hear. But I mean Listen, they dry they dried it up a bit, have they? Okay. From what I hear, I mean, I think there'll always be the military drinking culture. There'll be guys listening to this now going, What are you on about? But I mean, guys that know me now and knew me back then, depending when you knew me in my career, there was some signs I was drinking. More than anyone at four or five commando. and then I went completely clean and teetotal towards back in my career. So, so, so,
1: you so you quit. So you started. You quit. You quit drinking while you were still there. When you still serving, you quit?
0: So the first time I quit drinking, I quit for two years, and that was there, the back end of my career. And the reason for that was I, I could see myself quite unhappy. I was I wasn't happy in the Marines. Something wasn't sitting well with me. I wasn't happy in my marriage. I wasn't happy for a few things, and I actually decided to to quit drinking, to have a clarity of mind, to make some decisions. Um, so I did. So after six months, then I decided to cut my notes and to leave the Marines. I actually looked at the Marines and just thought it was a bit of a dark world, to be honest, um, just the world I was living in there. I, I just didn't like the, the camaraderie and you know, all things like that in the Marines. is amazing. and The lads are there for you, but at the same time, there's, there's things that just didn't sit well with me. Maybe the belief system I'd, I'd got through my faith or what have you, but the things weren't sitting well with me so for me I, I had to leave the military to be who I was to be my authentic self and although that brought its own challenges when I did leave because I didn't know who I was it was the right decision
1: definitely for me to do. You mentioned your faith before now for people who are just listening to the audio and can't see your your handsomely tattooed arm <laughs> sleeves that you've got that you've got here that I, I don't know it's like when someone talks about faith I just it's always interesting to see someone who just doesn't look like what you'd, what you'd <laughs> a typical Christian. yeah yeah and the and the, prob- the probably the Christian church probably wants a few like you know people that don't look like what you'd expect <laughs> because you know like it or not the Christian church has got that kind of like just thinking of a nice way of saying it but that kind of like I suppose buttoned up untattooed image hasn't it the, the, the church really maybe I don't know I haven't been, yeah, in one, I've I mean, been in one in a while but
0: okay yeah my church is maybe slightly different a bit more modern there's mm. um, definitely not the only one with tattoos but um no you're right mate when when I first started seeking God if you will and going to church one of the first things I worried about I would go in with long sleeve top on and I've got a big cauliflower ear and, all that <laughs> and I just, like, I'm not going to be welcome here but obviously the whole point in Christianity that everybody's welcome. So that was my own, well, exactly what you said, you know, you've just envisioned a way of what it would, of what a Christian should look like. And, you know, I had that exact same picture, mate, and thought I'd be judged like the rest of them. You know, I've got my hands tattooed and everything, but
1: yeah, there's no sleeve. You can't have long enough sleeves to cover the hands. going <laughs> <laughs> gloves, I suppose. Yeah. i never stopped <laughs> <No>. <laughs> But
0: But uh, no, yeah. So that was a big impact as well for me. You know, I'd say one of your two big. well, other than my daughter. Um, so my daughter, Rio, Zoom Jiu-Jitsu, and my well, Christian faith are definitely the big changing factors in my life.
1: You got your faith when you were still serving, right? You. Uh... Yeah, that's when I started, yeah. There's not so much of a, I mean, we talked about the drinking culture. I'm presuming there's not so much of a faith culture, is there? I wouldn't
0: have. In the Marines? Yeah. Absolutely not. No, um, no there's not. And actually, it was something that quite annoyed me after I left and looked back that I don't remember, like, anyone coming around the units. And doing... yes, every unit's got a Padre. And some some Padres we had were really great. One that pops to me head instantly is a guy called Bill Gates. Brilliant. But a lot of them, they actually almost joining with the lads, you know, drinking and things like that. And for me, looking back, they're meant to be like an example for you. Mm. No, it just wasn't there. No. And since I've left as well, I've found that there is people who work for the army and the navy to go around camps and talk about faith. Well, I did, almost did 13 years and I never come across them once. So I would question what they're doing, but maybe they just didn't want to come up to four or five commando in Scotland. Maybe they you know, stick to the southern units. Yeah. <laughs> but no, probably your most kind of the Christian faith, the most you'll see of it a lot of the time is uh, the Fijians are quite Christians other than that. I never came across it in the military at all.
1: And what about with your what about now with your kind of other former Royal Marines? Do you talk about faith with them or is it something you kind of keep for your now, I'm the, for a separate part of your life? I kind of I joke about this, but I always say I'm an open, closed book. Like
0: I'm I'm a closed book and essentially I have small circles and uh, don't feel like I need to share a bit of my life. But at the same time, if anybody asks me anything about my life, I'll more than happily share it. So I am open about my faith. Like, if you follow me on Instagram, I'm um, a saltfitnessuk, you know, I'll always, there'll always be some sort of mention of my faith. It's important to
1: me, and no, I definitely don't hide it. So, I suppose there's it, it's, it's, it's two different things, isn't it? It's, it's uh, yeah, answering if you're asked, but it's not necessarily introducing it to the conversation. Because some people are quite uncomfortable with it, aren't they? I think some people... Yeah, look, definitely. Uh,
0: I'm not one to throw it in your face, but at the same time, I'm, I, I do talk about my faith a lot. Uh I don't feel like I've I it down people's throats. I've certainly never been told I have, but uh, essentially it's, you know, who I am. It's part of who I am now. So it's part of my identity.
1: So what? why would I not mention it? <laughs> not a shame. No, 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 exactly. Exactly. It's just one that, yeah, you don't. Yeah. It's it's a, it's a, it's a strange one, isn't it? Cause um, yeah, I think we, most of us kind of do hymns at school. Yeah, it's a funny culture we live in, isn't it? Because yeah.
0: a lot of people, a lot of, well, I was talking to a friend last night about this, your dog tags in the military. You know, I had C of E on my dog tags. I didn't even know what C of E was, you know, Church of England. And you go, you look at most guys' dog tags in the Marines, they will say C of E. Oh, do they? You know, the guys are pretty quick to say, you know, they're, they're a Christian essentially by having that on your dog tags. But I think it's just because of our culture, isn't it? From being children of, you know,
1: just so you're one by default, you mean? Yeah, whether you, yeah, uh, yeah, just, if you, don't, if you don't specify you're one, um, your church, <laughs> you of yeah. What's well, interesting, I mean, little story that
0: uh, the guy I mentioned, Manny, that got us to join the Marines. You know, I know I mentioned it to you before, but and myself, my, my best friend that he also got to join, and him ended up in the same location in Afghanistan. And unfortunately, he died on that tour. And that was actually when I started asking questions about, hold on where's he gone? Like, why am I here? I started asking these existential questions and that's what kind of led me searching. Now it was a long journey from then, you know, I'd, basically after that, I, I actually asked the Padre to come to the fob and give me a christening. And at the time it was a bit of a joke to all the lads. I had two sergeants who ended up being my godfathers and kind of the fob came around, but it was a nice morale boost as well for the fob, you know, and it was good. Um, but I came home and I wasn't, I didn't live a Christian lifestyle or anything, but that was probably definitely the start of when my, my cogs in my head started to turn and I started seeking, but it definitely wasn't when I started changing my ways of life.
1: It's interesting because you mentioned this guy before, I should say his, his full name. So Manny, he called him. And it, John Henry Manuel. John Henry Manuel, sorry. Yeah. And I, so I looked him up after you mentioned before and you know he looked like this lovely kind of older guy who must have you know served a long time and he was yeah yeah he weren't far off his time and you, you mentioned awful losing your friend and someone you looked up to like that but you mentioned this time that that kind of kicked off your faith but I think when we spoke before you also said that was the start of I think I think you put it something like that was when you started having some real mental health issues that was when sort of you mentioned this this thing happening twice and as it started off a good and a bad thing in a, in a way, if that's you know in your so, head, there's always
0: some goodness that will come with some bad, mate. Yeah. So yeah, it was definitely you know it was a traumatic day for us that we'd lost three guys that day, four if you include Jamie Fellows who died about a kilometre down the road, and it wasn't the first friend I lost, and it wasn't the last friend I lost even on that tour. But so it definitely, you know, I came home from that tour, I'd just lost money you know, Birch and Damo died that day. I was involved in trying to treat Damo. And then just a couple of months later, um, Danny Winters had died. He was one of my best friends. And so there was a lot of grief and loss. And then I came home, but my daughter was due to be born. So I had all this inner turmoil that I'd not dealt with because you've got to keep working while you're out there. And then I had to be excited. I was excited. All I ever wanted was a child, but my child was born. So that was great. And then I got married and then that was great. And then, hold on so they're the two highs and then what's going to come from that yeah now I'm going to start you know dealing with the effects of of what I've just left so and then it was a slow process of struggle which I masked for years just through alcohol and I don't mean I was drunk every day but you know I was I just masked I must the issues and essentially when you start doing that and you're not being true to yourself that's when issues are going to arise you're not being you're not living in you know, being truthful to yourself on, on the issues you're having. And once you try and mask those, you know,
1: problems will arise. Did you ever have, were you ever diagnosed with anything? or PTSD? Yeah, I mean,
0: I, I never usually say, yeah, a doctor diagnosed me with PTSD and depression. Uh, it's not something I really advertised of. I'm not sure whether I believe I do have PTSD, but I think doctors are very quick to throw that label at you just because they see you depressed, you've been through some traumatic incidents. You're struggling with it. You're battling with it. And once they, you know, you've been in the military, they're very quick to whack that label on you. But very careful not to throw that one out there a lot. I I was definitely depressed, mate. I was definitely struggling. Whether I would say I had PTSD
1: is a different story. But yes, I'm probably on my medical records. tell totally different. Well, I mean, I, I, this has come up with a few of the boys. One. One guy I was talking to for Riog, and he talked about PTSD, and then later said, Actually, mate, can you not say PTSD? Because I don't think I've got it. But bit like you said. Another guy said, He put it in a way that stuck with me because he said, I don't think you can see the things we see and not have problems. You know, you think so he basically said, Everyone who's been, you've done three tours, right? He says, Everyone, four tours, yeah. Or says, Everyone, um, everyone has problems and whether like whether it's diagnosed as ptsd or not i mean it's, it's a lot of it's down to where a particular professional puts the bar you know definitely. so to yeah. say that this person definitely does this person definitely doesn't have ptsd you could probably make a case for every single person
0: 100 but I, I mean i truly believe that you know the military. Obviously, everyone looks at them, exactly what you're talking about there, and we've been through traumatic incidents. But everybody in life has, you know, everybody has. N- no one walks through this life without dealing with some sort of trauma in life. So it's just all about how you deal with it. What coping mechanisms do you have?
1: I you guess know, it's no know when that sort of knowing when there's a time for toughness because you know military needs tough people. They can't have people that are that are kind of kind of crumble at the first sign of trouble. But at the same time, you need to know when it's time to to put the brakes on and deal with things I sp- this is the true element of why it's so amazing what sam's done with Reog. so he's
0: realized it's the transition so you're exactly right in what you say that you have to be tough when you're in the marines and you've just got to have that resilience and go through no matter what situation comes in front of you keep plowing through plowing through that's fantastic you are serving your purpose as a frontline soldier and fantastic you're doing the job where the problem arises is when you stop doing that job so when you leave whether that's whether you've been forced to leave whether you've left out a choice whether your time's done it doesn't matter once you stop that's when all those things that you've maybe just plowed through because you have to because that's your job good that's when you've got to start dealing with them when you leave but then you've got new challenges that you're trying to face getting a job you know keeping your family a lot of guys struggle with relationships because they've just spent a lot of time being away from their partners and then they come back in their, in their faces. And so it's when they leave, that's when they've got to deal with all those stuff. So yeah, you'll find a lot of the time in the military, not a lot of guys would maybe have issues in the military as in would stop them doing the job. But when they leave, that's when you start seeing them all. That's most of the guys I know that have committed suicide or tried to commit suicide. That's all after they've left. Yes, it does happen sometimes in the while you're serving but the majority is when they've left when they've lost that identity lost the purpose there's no reason to be tough and gun ho anymore right that's when they start dealing with all these things but there's no one around them so mm-hmm. there's, there's no support network and that's what Rio provides puts you in another support network
1: yeah you maybe think of another thing someone else said which was that he just put it simply in one line and it had never it really hit home to me. He said, um, I've lost more friends to suicide since leaving the military than I ever lost in Afghanistan. And now we know like, you know, there were times in Afghanistan where, you know, we were losing people every day pretty much. So just the thought that, you know, you know, people are aware of the cost from the news stories this this side of it, that it kind of happens away from the public view, you know, so everyone knows we've lost sadly a ton of people in Afghanistan, but the fact that, I don't know whether, how how this chimes with your experience, but the fact that that number is, could be potentially dwarfed by people taking their own lives is a horrendous. Yeah, I've, I've uh, lost a few
0: minutes to suicide, been to a few funerals and um, yeah, it's probably, it's not, too far tipping the scales that way mm. so to actually die in afghanistan still a problem with lads still you know that's it's so you'll find the big support for lads uh, is each other you know just checking in with each other all the time buddy buddy system but yeah that's why you know i can see why sam sheriff's so compassionate about rio and do you know what will be interesting now you know obviously no sam sam's only just left hasn't he mm. so it's going to be really interesting now because now sam's going to be going through his transition He's already created the support network with the reorg and everything that he's done. So, uh, you know, I actually think Sam will be fine because of, you know, he's a switched on cookie as well. And, and he knows what he's doing, but it'll be really interesting for him now to go through the transition and he'll, he'll see why, what he's created is so beneficial. He will have known it before, but now he's going to be living in it.
1: <laughs> so, Yeah, definitely. And definitely. And I think he's seen so many, so many people. I mean, I, everyone I've talked to who's been involved with Rio has sung his praises for how, you know, he's there for someone who just kind of, uh, it's a kind of gentle, other people have told me this story as well, that it's a gentle easing people in a direction you think, because you can't go, you can't go up to someone and go, you know, you look like your own problems, I know how to fix them, but he sort of gently lures people towards. He's, like, empathetic. That- he's empathetic,
0: isn't he? He's- he understands, you know, he won't have escaped trauma in his own
1: life and he understands how to deal with it. And he does it very well. Yeah. Yeah. As as we're saying, I mean, no one will have, no one will have escaped it. Can I, can I ask you about your business now? So uh, Yeah. The, the, the green dot so, retreat on Instagram.
0: Yeah. So basically what I decided to do is, so when I left the military, I went into the education system for a couple of years. I was, um, like a high support worker for youths that were struggling with education. So a big part of my job was mentoring in that. And then I wanted to do more with adults for their mental health and got my PT qualifications and set up Assault Fitness UK.
1: So so these are your two Instagrams, right? So you're the the Green Dot Retreat and Assault Fitness UK. Assault Fitness is your personal one, right? That's my personal one, yeah. It's It's a good tough army sounding one, you know? (laughs) Sorry, not army. M- military. Yeah. I didn't actually uh, name
0: that business. My friend named it, but I just ran with it. Yeah, it's good. But, um, yeah. So that was in my PT business. And I ended up being like a fitness consultant for some companies as well and help them create fitness apps and things like that. And then I've just literally just moved away from that kind of consultancy world and decided to start up my own mentoring business. So I've got one in the green retreat. That's with Lamy, who's also a former Marine. Uh, and we're creating this kind of environment for people to be able to grow themselves learn more about themselves we're getting guest speakers in we're giving them different tools on how to deal with stuff on how to you know things like goal setting but also like what i've talked about tonight you know um not today uh, dealing with you know your behaviors your core beliefs your roots what you're feeding from talking about transition and resilience and you know how to reset and there's so many elements to, to the mental health side of things. We just want to help people with life and with self-development, get people searching within more. So that's kind of the green retreat, and we're looking at doing five different workshops. So we've got our first one this Saturday on the 8th of May in Leicester, and then that's the direction that will go. And then I've got another mentor in business with um, my good friend, Sinead Reed. So she's a two-time Olympian
1: BMXing star, I remember.
0: And track cycling. Oh,
1: yeah, I remember the BMXing, but yeah, there's the tracks. She went on, she changed and won loads of stuff at a different kind of cycling, right?
0: Yeah, she just gave track cycling a go and won the world at that. I think she's the only person to ever win track cycling and BMX world champs in the same year. And I'm pretty sure she did it two years in a row as well. Um, And yeah, she's got a couple of world records and stuff, but she's really passionate as well about mental health and about. Shanae's has battled, she obviously got to the top of the game and then uh, crashed at the Olympics and stuff and had a lot of stuff to deal with and then she ended up battling alcohol uh, but she's been she's a big advocate of AA and she's been sober for like three and a half years now. Uh, so she's really passionate about helping others so we've got such a similar mindset so we're also setting up um, a mentor business but that'll be more kind of corporate based and charity based, uh, doing stuff for them. Uh, so yeah so basically you know for me it, all what's important to me now is kind of giving back to others I just want to like enrich other people's lives in any way I can and I see the best tool of doing that is through mentoring so I've, I've set up these two different companies essentially with two different people but both with the same purpose for me which is helping others
1: um, yeah with the
0: mental health and their growth.
1: Sounds, uh, sounds really interesting when you got yourself into this a much better place. Then when lockdowns and everything came, did it did you just see this as another test or were you like, oh, this is gonna ruin everything? I'm gonna be honest, mate, so you've got to be careful
0: what you say. A lot of people have been affected by lockdown, haven't they, quite quite badly. So I feel for those people, but for me I loved it um, from the aspect of I had already dealt with all these issues that my mental health was so strong when lockdown happened i almost embraced the the isolation The you know i, I instantly was straight into a routine you know day one boom great fantastic i'm not going to stay in bed till nine ten o'clock because i'm on isolation i'm getting up at five six o'clock i'm going to get things done and to-do list on the board and that's when i did all this planning for all the, the stuff to come so i just really thought you know what this time It's going to be um, it's a one-off this time where you you are stuck in your house so make use of it read loads of books I got I was homeschooling my daughter which I loved when she was in primary school and then secondary school she's so she's changed from primary to secondary during that loads of time with her you know physical wise you know yes I couldn't lift weights anymore but that's okay that I was running and I was doing my bodyweight exercises and I just, for me, like, I didn't mind it. I am starting to realise now, you know, you still need that community. That's what's really important, and that's what I need to feed back into now, because uh, I can almost sometimes become too isolated. I do enjoy my own space, but I understand the importance of community. But lockdown for me, uh, I, I really feel like I utilised that time in, in the best method possible. I did, in fact, I, I ran out of time. I almost didn't have enough time to do all the stuff I wanted to do in it. But, um,
1: oh, that's good. No, I'm I'm glad you said that because I when when um when you said I probably should be careful what I say, I thought you were then going to be a lockdown denier, which is you know is is people can be lockdown deniers if they want that's but but you know I've had that I've had that conversation with people a few times. Unfortunately, it doesn't go anywhere. But like you're 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 the first person who's actually who, who's put it that positively, like that you saw it as an opportunity. But I think I think really that's. That's sort of the only way, with anything that could be seen as adversity, you kind of have to say, well, this is your challenge for now. And as you said, we're never going to get that amount of time with our kids again. So we just have to, it, we, we, might as well, we might as well have enjoyed it, you know. percent And
0: it's hard. I've seen people that were really struggling with anxiety and stuff through it, but a lot of the things I thought, I'll be honest with you, I kept myself in a bubble, uh, as in I didn't watch the news. So... I I would maybe once a week have a fast off uh, Instagram and things like that. But I'll be honest, my inst- people moan about the social media. My social media is all positive because I follow things that interest me. And I think that's the beauty of Instagram. You know, if you're finding social media negative, you're following the wrong people, get rid of them off your feed. So I'm really, people just think about nutrition, what you're feeding yourself, what you put in your mouth. Nutrition for me is everything that comes into my world. So If I won't, I don't watch things that I I don't agree with, I don't like to listen to things. Yes, okay, it's good to keep updated with the world, but people were getting obsessed by the news and they were watching it every day and it was causing them anxiety and anger. Well, I just took that out and didn't watch it. And guess what? I didn't get that anxiety and anger. I just listened out for what the rules might be coming up. All right, so we can go and see people in six weeks' time. Great. I'll watch the news again in six weeks' time and see what they say then, you know.
1: So. There's a there's a lot to be there's a lot to be said for that I think because yeah I, I did the same for a lot of the time you have to you have to cut off because it, otherwise it'll drive drive you crazy my wife was going guess what and you know, I'm like I, I don't <laughs> I don't need to and I know get,
0: and I get why people are like that as well you know I, I get both sides of the coin I would just argue that my side's a bit healthier
1: well I was I was a news journalist for years so you know I I, I would never get out of this habit of having to know everything that's going on all the time right. Because yes. if that's your job, you need to, you oh. need to be, you need to know. Makes sense. But, you know, if it's your job, call, cool, you've got to do it. But if you don't need to do it for work purposes, what are you doing it for? I like the fact that you call, that you extend nutrition beyond food. Because, mm. yeah, obviously food is, a, is very important. But, yeah, the other, every, what about everything else you're consuming, you know, watching and reading. If you're reading negative stuff or stuff that's making you feel bad about your own life, you basically you're eating shit food, aren't you? You know,
0: hundred percent. That's why you know I love getting recommendations for books, for podcasts, for people to follow. You know, I, I love that because that's what I want to feed myself with. I don't want to feed myself with conspiracy theories and negativity and yeah, I'm it's a it's very,
1: very or things from. things to be cross about. That's what that, that that that's the thing. That's the thing. I I, I problem I always had with the news is that you know people even working for broadsheets naming their names as i like, like, do they they're they're not there to simply inform you they're there to they're they're working you because they know they know what pushes they know what pushes your buttons and like do you really want to spend your day being given manufactured anger that someone has spent time you know working on because they know it's going to get you going i mean
0: and that all goes as well like just think about how you start your day then. What are you are going to feed yourself with at start day? You know, I have a, a, no matter what, I have the same routine every day where I know I feed myself with, you know, I get up first thing I, do, I walk straight into a cold shower like instantly. Just, and still to this day, I'll have this like battle of medias. Oh, I can't be bothered turning that on,
1: but I turn it on.
0: You always feel amazing
1: after it. Do you go straight in cold?
0: Straight in cold, yeah. Yeah, yeah get it done. Once you get over that half a second then you're all right, you know? And then I come down and I do a three-minute journal in the morning, three things I'm grateful for. So uh, write down how I'm going to make today great and a positive affirmation. And then I read like a little Christian word for the day and a couple chapters in the Bible. That's how I start my day, right? So now mentally, I'm not allowed to touch my phone before this. I know I've started off in a positive way. Now, whatever the day brings, I can now deal with. I then attack the day ready i don't let the day surprise and attack me um so it's just so important and then obviously you, you need to h- however you deem eating healthy is is uh, you feed yourself some good nutrition in the morning food wise
1: yeah keep yeah keep nourishing ourselves with good food and the ru- the routine is very important like um if you don't if you don't have a time in the day where you've decided you're going to exercise For example, for me, like if it's not a day when that's when the exercise is done, and you don't have to, even if you, I'd never have days when I wouldn't exercise, but even when it's a day you think, oh, I'll do it later, you fit it in later, already you kind of got that uncertainty. Now I'm just up and out on my bike, you know, without without thinking about it.
0: And that's so important as well. And physical exercise is a massive, massive one. But I think what I'm kind of most happy with in myself at the minute as well is, I looked at exercise, especially when I was doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu a lot. I used to train twice a day Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And I realized, looking back, I was using it as an escape in the end. And that's not always good either. It's a, it's good, it's a good tool to have, but don't use it just to escape your issues. And pe- that's what people use the gym for and things like that. So now I, I'm at a great place in my life where physical fitness, yes, I enjoy it. And it's important to me. And it definitely helps my mental health. But also if I miss a couple of days, I'm okay. We're back a few years ago. If I didn't train every day, I'd have a wobble in my head and I don't have that anymore. So that just, it's a little reminder for me of, oh yeah, I've actually come on. You know, I, I really have self-developed. I really have worked on myself enough that I don't, I don't need any of these things that I put in place for my mental health. They're just a benefit
1: for me and I know the benefits of them, but now I don't need them which is really good for me. So is that is that how you distinguish the fact that you could you could miss it if you needed to without it being?
0: Yeah, and I think you'll find most, you look at most people that go to the gym and stuff, if they don't go to the gym for a couple of days, watch their mental health. Uh, and that's when you just need to ask the question, so are you doing it to, why are you training? Are you doing it to keep sane, or are you doing it because it makes you feel good? And the, there is a difference when you look within
1: I suppose people might not know which they are because there's there's doing it because it helps because it yeah. keeps you fit and keeps you all, all the stuff we've been talking about. And then there's doing it because it's masking it. But there must be some people. They're not sure which it is. 100%. Loads of people. Definitely. That's why people over train, isn't it? And it's probably a bit of but probably a bit of both. You know, there's a,
0: yeah, I mean, I
1: suppose at least the way I look at it, at least if it is a mask, at least it's a healthy one, rather than you know. Crack it's a okay. healthy mask, and you're exactly right. It's a healthy mask, so that's
0: okay to a degree. But what happens if they get injured? What happens if something happens where they can't train? And that's when I'm concerned. Or well, what? What's your mental health going to do now? So you know, for me, I love Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. It massively helps me. I haven't trained in a year now because of, of lockdown. Well, guess what? I'm still saying. Where if that? If you took Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu away from me. Maybe three years ago, my head would have
1: fell off <laughs> because I needed. Oh, I know it. what you mean. I know what you mean, and, I've, and i and the reason I'm asking you is because I'm I'm probably trying to figure out where, I'm, where I <laughs> I'm. The but no, I think I think I think you're right. I think um, you have to be prepared to be injured or or have a you know you have to be because everyone gets injured at some point. So you have to think if I get injured, will I fall apart or will I think, oh great, I've got six weeks off to work on other things. Exactly. Change the direction of it. I think I have moved away from that because I, I I saw, I've seen time offers, yeah, you know, work on things I'm not good at. So mobility and things like that, things that yeah. get pushed, get pushed away. Maybe it got pushed aside by, you know, training, spending the time doing proper training, you know? Yeah. So, that's so cool. yeah, I suppose that's the distinction, yep. isn't right. it? If you got injured, would, you, would your world fall apart or would you be fine with it? And just accept it as part of the... Yeah.
0: And if you're not fine
1: with it, then, okay, it's it's
0: normal to be feeling comfortable and not happy that you're injured. But at the same time,
1: your world shouldn't fall apart because you can't do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or go to the gym. Yeah, you should be annoyed. You can be annoyed, but you don't want to be, like, exactly. distraught.
0: Exactly. So you just need to work out why you do certain things. But that's just another thing of looking within, looking within yourself and dealing yeah. with it process and it's a journey
1: that we're all on yeah Um, you made made me think some good (laughs) well I think we should I think we've done enough haven't we we've done enough to justify ourselves this bank holiday we're recording this (laughs) it's fantastic (laughs) is there anything else you need to is there anything else you need to tell is there anything else i failed to ask you always is Probably no, most, I mean, most I mean, of the things I, I meant to ask you are forgotten about, but you
0: know, I feel like I don't like uh talking about Brazilian Jiu Jitsu without thanking uh Dean Robertson because Dean Robertson was the one to get me into Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. So when I joined 4 5 Commando, I was a black belt in judo, but Dean had the MMA club and um I went there and he batted me. And then he was like a blue belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and I thought I'm gonna batter you, I'm a black belt in judo, and he tied me in knots as a blue belt does on the ground because judo wasn't massively ground-based and uh and yeah so I'm always grateful for him for introducing me to the sport because that then led me to go off to Brazil and do Brazilian jiu-jitsu and then that led to when Sam came up to the unit and we trained together and then just to watch from where you know from Sam starting it to uh, what he's created now I just think is absolutely phenomenal
1: and uh, I really tip my hat to everything he's done and
0: thank him as well
1: yeah, Sam 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 at Real Jiu Jitsu. Great, it's a great, it's a great charity. He's done he's done brilliant things with it. It's just, yeah. I mean, jiu jitsu clubs throughout the world now. Yeah, you know, military guys can just ring them up. I know Sam. Everyone knows who he is, and it's just more and more clubs.
0: Mm.
1: Roger Gracie helping us out. You know, little names like that. You know, <laughs> great. <It's all> right. <laughs> Can't be bad. Okay, so Sam led. Former Royal Marines Commando, your your on Instagram is thegreen.retreat. It's your mentoring That's business. Mentor, and Ass- yeah. Ass- assault fitness UK is your other Insta. That's right, yeah. <laughs> okay, well it's been fantastic to talk to you, Sam. Thanks so much. Best of luck with everything. No, thanks well, a lot, Papia. So- it's been great and, chat. And thanks for making me think more about why I train and what could be going on in my mind. Good pleasure, <laughs> Sam. Thanks very much. All the best. No worries. Thank Cheers. You. Thanks again to Sam Laird. His mentoring business is The Green Retreat on Instagram, and his and his other one is Assault Fitness UK. The Green on Instagram and Assault Fitness UK. Reorg that we talked about is reorgcharity.com. Healthy Beast is at Healthy Beast Podcast on Instagram. Thank you very much for listening.